tech at American Express and jumped into another different space, which was the operational risk space. I'd never worked in risk before, but I spent a lot of time with people that did and asked a lot of questions. And I think if you're naturally curious and you're naturally helpful, that's really the killer combo to help you be successful in something brand new. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. First-hand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for people just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, we are celebrating Women's History Month here at the podcast, and I encourage you to amplify the voices of women by checking out our Women on Brand collection at leadwithyourbrand.com slash women on brand. There you'll see highlights of some of our favorite episodes featuring amazing leaders, executives, and influencers, all who identify as women. And in keeping with Women's History Month, I have an amazing guest this week. It is Marlis Rogers, who is the Chief Information Security Officer at Circle. But before we get to Marlis, let's talk a little bit about why your brand matters. Now, people always come up to me and they say, well, Jason, I totally get branding. I get branding for big companies and big corporations that sell big products, but I don't really get how it pertains to me because I just really do a great job and that's what counts. And of course, you have to deliver the goods in your career. That's just the ticket to play. But when we think about having a great personal and professional brand, it is really really for the same reasons that big multinational companies create brands not only for their organization, but for their products and services. Quite frankly, great brands make it easier for organizations to expand into new markets and countries. Now, I just got back from traveling throughout Costa Rica and Panama and Colombia, and of course, everywhere I went, there were brands like Starbucks and KFC and McDonald's. And why are they there? Because having these great brands has enabled them to expand all around the globe. And the same thing goes for you. If you're looking to expand your career and actually go and join a new company, your brand is your calling card. You don't want to just have a brand when there's a job opening. You want other organizations and other hiring managers and talent organizations to have you on their tickler list. 
You want to be a known entity before you are looking for that job. You know what? Great brands also help companies introduce new products and services. If we think about Apple, which, by the way, is the number one brand that people say is their favorite brand when I ask audiences, Apple was really known for creating great computers, right? And then they were known for creating great laptops, which were really just portable versions of the computer. And then one day, they decided that they were going to get into music, and they launched the iPod and the iTunes Store. Now, let's be clear. Did Apple have any experience or expertise in music? No. But guess what? They suddenly became the largest music company in the world. Why? Because we trusted their brand with computers, so we trusted them with music, and then later with telephones which, again, they had no necessary experience in. So how does that relate to you? I hear from people all of the time that they're looking to reinvent their career, that maybe they want to move to a different function within their own organization. Guess what? When you have a great reputation and brand within your organization, it can allow you to move and create new parts of your career throughout your organization. It allows people to trust your expertise and experiences in a new way, even though you may not have a particular track record in that functional area. It also helps brands create loyal relationships. You know what? Great brands have these ambassadors that are always talking about them. And guess what? You want that in your career. Having a great brand allows you to have ambassadors that are constantly cheering for you and recommending you for those roles. But more importantly, great companies are always looking to have great brands because they want people to pay more, do more, and contribute more. Now, you know I always talk about, are you Starbucks or are you coffee, right? Well, guess what? I was just in an airport and I wanted to get a cup of coffee and I almost missed my flight. My husband had to come out and yell at me to get out of the line to actually get onto the plane before they closed the boarding doors, right? That's about getting people to do more. And quite frankly, every kiosk in that airport served coffee, but I was willing to pay more for a cup of Starbucks coffee. Why? Because that's what great brands do. They get people to pay more, do more, and contribute more. So think about your brand in your company. Are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Do you have people waiting in line to get your advice, insights, and recommendations? Do you have people waiting in line because they want you to join that project team? And do you have people waiting in line outside of your cube or office because they want to hire you for that next role? And here's the bottom line, folks. Every time we come into that performance management cycle, your pay increase, your bonus is a reflection of your brand. If you have a great brand that feels differentiated, that your company, that your team, that your department cannot leave without you, that is when they pay you more, whether that's in base salary, your percentage increase, or that discretionary bonus. So make sure that you're managing your brand every single day in the same way that your company manages their brand. 
Well, we have an amazing show for you today. Our guest is Marlis Rogers, who is the Chief Information Security Officer at Circle. Now, most recently, Marlis held the same position at CSAA Insurance Group and was also responsible for technology oversight. Her path to leading security organizations came via stints leading technology development, compliance, operational enterprise risk, and IT security risk oversight teams at global fintech and financial services firms, including PayPal and American Express. In 2021, she was awarded Security Executive of the Year by Cybersecurity Excellence Awards. She was recently presented with the 2022 Gold for Women in Cyber and Info Security by the Globy Cybersecurity Global Excellence Awards. She is currently an advisory member for the Informed Defenders Council for Attack IQ, and she's a passionate champion for diversity in technology and security fields and is vice president for the Alliance of Women and Technology Southwest. We'll be back in just a moment with Marlis Rogers. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. I have a fabulous guest with us today. It is Marlis Rogers, the Chief Information Security Officer at Circle. Marlis, what is going on today? Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here and to see you again and hear you. Oh, well, I'm so thrilled to have you on, but like, let's jump right in because I always yes. love talking with you. So I know like at your level of being an executive, you're constantly meeting people. You're always out in the industry. How is it that you introduce yourself and explain who you are and what you do when you meet folks? Well, I, I think the easiest way that I can kind of describe it is that I just remind people um, hey, you know that phishing email that you get that you're not supposed to click on? Well, my team is responsible for making sure that we know what to do just in case you click on it. So that's probably the easiest thing I would say to describe what I do. Well, I love that, right? And I certainly always think of myself as smart, but I always fall for the uh, the the uh, the phishing uh, email there. But so, Marlis, tell me, what does a CISO do, right? For for those that always hear the acronym but aren't really clear, talk to me a little bit about what that role plays in the organization. So I would say probably the best way to describe it is I'm really the person responsible for ensuring that all of the various functions that have to do with what we call cybersecurity um, are essentially established as a set of standards, policies. So there's not only all of the tools and the processes associated to them, but it's also about education and awareness because to the very point of, you know, you want to click that button, really human beings are the human firewall. So making mm. sure that they have an understanding of what role they play becomes also very fundamental. So I, I really see myself as someone who is there to support my team, make sure that they've got you know 
someone to back them as they're making some of these decisions, because sometimes when you are doing things in a secure manner, it's not always the easiest way for you know employees to interact with some of the tools. So it's also about making that process as easy as possible. Yeah. And, and I love that you talk about it, you know, kind of hitting the easy button there. So you work for a super cool organization called Circle. So tell us about Circle. So Circle is um, the stablecoin issuer for the U.S. dollar coin. And um, essentially founded in 2013, we are a global financial technology firm and we enable businesses of all sizes to essentially harness the power of digital currencies and public blockchains for payments, commerce, and financial applications worldwide. So it's definitely, it has a fantastic mission, which is also to raise global economic prosperity through the frictionless exchange of value. And that was the second most important reason why I joined the company. So the first being the people. Yeah, the first were the people. Yeah. So, so tell me about that because you're, you're now what, like a year, year and a half into this role, right? Yeah. Almost a year. Actually, I'll be hitting a year in May. Um, I, you know, the number one reason I joined amazing culture. I mean, when you hear that, that mission, it's, it's very easy to see how the culture would be so fantastic, um, to join, but it's really about the people. Everyone here Mm. is, you know, in it to win it, but also in it for each other. Uh, and yeah. it's it's a really a very caring organization. I absolutely love the company and the culture. Yeah. And now you've had a, an amazing career in technology and cybersecurity. Uh, talk to me over the course of your career. What have been some of those breakthrough moments that kind of helped you get to this really executive level in the space? Gosh. I'm trying to remember. I mean, this is a long time ago. This is more than 20 years ago. I so I was at American Express and I had I, I was on what they call the business side. So I had a product yeah. and you own that end to end. And part of that was really understanding that when you handed requirements over to your technology partners, you wanted to have a good understanding well, what were they doing? Uh, because I was the one facing off to these large global companies and um, finally, after a while of asking questions and wanting to know, someone said to me, and I would say not so encouragingly, you know, <laughs> if you want to know so much about technology, then why don't you just join the technology org? And I thought, mm. well, fine, I will. And so I jumped over and joined tech. And of course, you know, women coming over into the technology organization, not lots of us. Um, and I, I really jumped in with both feet and I, I jumped into a whole other area of the organizations. I wasn't even supporting the thing that I did. I just kind of yeah. took over something else, um, had some great mentors. In fact, the very first person, you know, I would say one of the sort of career breakthroughs or, or moments that has really informed my career was when there's a woman I was working for, her name was Connie. And she said to me, you know, Marlis, the thing that you bring to this job is that total sense of ownership of what you do. You don't, mm. you know, think of it in parts and parcels. You really look at it holistically. Yeah. And I will tell you, that's been something quite fundamental to everything I've done since then. Um, but really staying in tech and being at American Express and having opportunities, I was promoted both years. I was pregnant. I always mention that because they're so <laughs> supportive of, of working moms. Um but in doing the last job I had uh, in tech was, you know, 
global platform, 100,000 employees, I was constantly facing off with um, one of my mentors that really got me into security, Fred Gibbons, who's the current CISO of American Express, can never say enough good things about him. So supportive. And as we were going through the process, his love of it, his ability to educate me and never make me feel like, well, gosh, why don't you know that? Um, it, It got me so passionate about the space. And I got certified and he continues and continues to this day to be my mentor. And so I think that's probably the other breakthrough in all of it is I, sometimes it takes a while to find the thing that really is kind of the sweet spot of all the things that have interested me over the course of my career. And even before I went into security, he also encouraged me to take this enterprise risk role at American Mm. Express. So I got this huge you know, um, kind of remit to look at everything at the company, which led to my um, my work at PayPal and then my first CISO job, which was at AAA Insurance. So it, it's definitely been a journey, but I think the breakthroughs were all in finding the things that I really loved and then taking the strengths along with me, yeah. you know, as, as Connie had said from the beginning. Yeah. And so talk to me a little bit about that because you make it sound so easy. And I will tell you the one of the number one things people ask me about in terms of careers is, you know, once I've been doing something, how do I go work for a different division or a different function when I've already kind of made the investment in a certain area? So talk to me when you were kind of leaving sort of the product operation and the business side and jumping into tech, like what are the things that you did to actually get street cred or even be considered for that? So I would say it was the the fact that I had existing relationships with the partners. So once I got in there, it is all who you know. I mean, when you mm. come into a new organization, you really have to rely on those relationships. And, you know, with a company the size of American Express, for instance, I mean, there were thousands of people in, in technology. <laughs> and so it was really about building that, that network, right? And, yeah. you know, once you're in there and you start making this connection to that connection, and at the same time, I was willing not only to learn and ask questions, but I was also willing to help. And I think mm. when, number one, you're vulnerable enough to ask for help, but also at the same time, you know, it's sort of a give and take. So if you reach out to someone, you also offer something. And sometimes yeah. what I would offer is, hey, would you like insight into this program or what we're working on? Do you want to be, you know, the first person to um, have insight into what we're doing? I, I really always saw it as a give and take, because I think if you just reach out to people in a new organization and, and really in everyday life, you really yeah. have to be a helper because then people start to come to you and, and they're also willing to you know, give back. So uh, I think it was, that was a great opportunity. And I'll tell you something, I left tech at American Express and jumped into another different space, which was the operational risk space. I'd never worked in risk before, Mm. but I spent a lot of time with people that did and asked a lot of questions. And I think if you're naturally curious and you're naturally helpful, that's really the killer combo to help you be successful in something brand new. Mm. And then Marlis, talk to me about kind of leveraging those relationships to kind of feel like you belong or get on the inside. Because I know having worked with folks in technology and Silicon Valley and certainly in the security space, there's sort of like a notion of like, we're OG, right? Or, or like we're the real technologists and then like there's other people. How did you kind of, or did, did you face that? And then if so, how did you kind of overcome that? 
Oh, I faced it. Um, I think <laughs> one of the, <laughs> I, so first and foremost, the one thing that should be known about some, not all technology groups is there's this kind of, when you talk about street cred, mm-hmm. um, I would say what I have found is, well, you're not technical enough. Well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And at the beginning, that really did get to me. I, I did mm-hmm. let that sort of question. And I thought, well, wait a minute. You've just been promoted to director. You're running a large scale project. And why is your ability to code on a certain platform all of your value? And mm. I won't say that it didn't continue to plague me a little bit because it did. But what I did is I just pivoted and just learned as much as I possibly could. And then for the things that I just felt like, well, why would I need to know that? I I am literally (laughs) running. I mean, I I started to get, I thought, well, okay, that's what you person over here considers to be the qualifications. But here I'm getting great ratings. I have a lot of support from my peers. Um, Obviously what you value is for you. What I value is knowing what I know and being able to drive large enterprise projects. And by the way, what I also really value are the people on the teams and mm. creating those relationships so that you know also how to motivate people. Because taking this sort of approach of, well, it's only that you know these 10 technologies and how they operate, and then you can actually code in each one of them. Well, okay, that's important for certain roles. But it isn't important for my role. What's important mm. to me are the people, how to drive things, how to make things happen. And so um, it, it's definitely something, though, that I, I continued to carry for a while. And finally, I just decided to just drop it and leave it in the past. Um, once in a while, it comes up. But now it comes up, honestly, in the form of learning about blockchains and smart contracts and all of the things that my company does. And it thrills me to no end to face something I don't know because I'm surrounded by people who want to teach. And that's, Mm. that's a great thing about the culture that I'm in now. Yeah. That's a, that's amazing. And, and I love that you talk about how you define your value, right? Like that your value is about inspiring people and bringing people together and influence. So talk to me in your career, what were some of those key inflection points where you were kind of just moving from being, you know, project manager, but to actually leading a big team. And now certainly you lead a huge team. Yeah. I think the first one, and and maybe a good one to talk about is the first time I became a people leader because I was, and so I'll tell you, I was just coming back from maternity leave with my first son, uh, very tired. And I was a high performing, uh, essentially a project manager running different projects. And while I was on maternity leave, I had the opportunity to interview And there was a role there and it was working for a vice president. His first name was Raju. And he reached out to me because there was this opportunity to do uh, what was essentially his chief of staff, like a larger project manager. And I talked to Raju's boss and his name was Phil Stites. He was our CTO at that time. And Phil said to Raju, he said, hey, she's great, but not for that role. She should be leading your big projects she should really be involved in really driving out. And there was this particular large scale project we had to do for the regulators. It was really important. And 
And, and so when I returned, I was thinking, oh, there's this possibility I would get promoted in either way. I would be promoted to director, but I didn't, you know, this, this came up and Raju said, well, listen, I really think you would be a great fit on this Mm. role. And this role puts you into an entire new space of driving technology solutions. And I, you know, I, he said, well, you could still do this, but you could take the leap into this. And so Mm. I took the leap because to me, directionally, that's where I wanted to go. I just wasn't sure if I was going to get the support from leaders to think, oh, can she do this? Because she's not this or she's not that. All they could see was what I was. And that's what really got to me and and really honestly stayed with me for, for the rest of my career is don't ever forget. It's not what others think you can't do. It's what you know you can do and what you're Mm. capable of. And just taking the risk because what's the worst thing that can happen? Okay. It doesn't work out. It's not what you don't like. You know, it's something you don't like, or it's just simply not your space. Um, but gosh, the chances of that are so unlikely. That's, you know, I'm optimistic. You know, I think most people can do things that they really try. And, uh, so that was, that was the, um, I think that's that that would be probably the one that I would say kind of got me into this. And and I've never looked back. I've led teams ever since. Yeah. And talk to me uh, when you were a little kid. What did you want to be when you grew up? So the first thing I wanted to be was an engineer. Mm. And I am not a big fan of math. So no, thank you. Um, <laughs> And then I, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. In fact, I even, I was in speech contests in high school and there was this, you know, what do I want to be? And and I had to do a speech on it. And that time was to be a lawyer. Um, and really the only reason I didn't pursue law and I love it. Like I, I, one of my favorite things to do is work with our legal team. Um, but it was at that point, the reason I sort of went off of it is I thought, I don't think I... I know the hours and commitment it is to be a lawyer and attorney. Um, and I thought I couldn't do that if I wanted to have a family. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. I'm in security. It's a 24 by seven job. <laughs> it's really, by the way, it's really about what you balance. Right. And, yeah. um, so it's, uh, it, by the way, that's the key is you just figure out, oh yeah, you could have balanced it. But gosh, when I was looking at careers, I mean, that was, I'm, I don't want to date myself too much, but Working Girl was in theaters <laughs> in high school, <laughs> you know, and you thought it's one or the other, right? You know, with the, so. Yes. And that movie also changed my life. I feel like I can quote everything from it. Oh, same. <laughs> All the time, anytime. It's yeah. a two-way street. Don't grab <laughs> coffee unless you're grabbing one for yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Sigourney Weaver and Melanie Griffith. Oh, Yes. So spectacular. Now let's talk a little bit about your brand because I know you are super focused on on your brand, both internally as a leader uh, of people and internally in terms of influencing your team, but also externally you show up on stages as uh, as you know an, an expert in the industry. So give me three words that you would use to describe brand Marlis. Gosh, um, the first is I would say, and it's kind of two words, but one concept, human centric people first, sort of that. Um, the second I would say is I'm going to use the word passionate. Yeah. And I would say the last is, um, I'm an achiever. 
I'm someone that likes to drive and achieve. So human-centric, passionate, and achiever. And it feels like you've been talking a lot about those things that really define you as human-centric. So I'm interested to hear from you because sometimes human-centric and being an achiever don't feel like they go hand in hand. And I know certainly we've all worked for leaders where they were achievers and they certainly weren't human centric, right? And maybe vice versa. How do you operate at that unique intersection and what does it look like for you? So I think here's the thing that I think some leaders that are drivers kind of forget is human beings are the most productive when they feel safe and cared for. Mm. And if you think about things like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, yeah. that doesn't change at work, right? And mm. I, I really feel like when I say human-centric and people first, what I mean is I can drive projects. I've done tons of things, but a great example is the pandemic. You know, 2020 hit, we had an in-office team. This was at my last company and we were busy hiring people. We had more than 150 projects against really critical security controls that we had to implement. And we had a workforce doing what the rest of the world was doing, which was coping with death, loss, sickness, um, anxiety, all kinds of mental health issues. And we had all of this work to do. And what I'm happy to say is, number one, we got all of the work done, right? So that hits off on my achiever and we did it with excellence. But at the same time, you know, how that showed up was the constant check-ins with people, making sure that Mm. people knew this isn't a 24 by seven job when it comes to getting the work done, just because you're at home and no one's going anywhere, you need to take breaks. And here, and we did all kinds of activities, in fact, as a team to make sure that people felt like we were also having fun, but it was also about checking in with people and really getting, I would say, into sometimes very personal, very vulnerable spaces to make sure that people understood. I mean, in some instances, the people you were working with may be the only people you're seeing or talking to. And knowing that people were struggling during that time, I would have town halls. And the first thing I would start with was topics around mental health and the resources we had as a company. And even admitting, listen, therapy is for everyone right? Therapy is a great thing. It's for everyone. (laughs) Mental health is important. I'm a huge advocate. And so that's really, I would say a great example of, of just how it shows up, but that has persisted for me because by the way, the anxiety and mental health crisis from the pandemic, it hasn't changed. There's a lot of things people are very worried about. And I do work at a company that is completely remote. And so Mm. watching people on screen, I'm, I'm very, I would say I'm very adept at watching people, their expressions, really getting connected with people on a bit more personal basis to the extent that they're comfortable so that, you know, we have that sort of connection for them to be able to open up and talk about when they're burnt out and when things don't, you know, happen. So I think that's how you do it because when people feel safe and they feel like they don't have things to worry about and they feel cared for, guess what? You get creative, amazing talent. And people love to feel cared for. I don't care what industry, what sector you're in, you know, it it really is something that's important because you feel valued for more than just the thing you're doing. You're also being valued as the person that you are and who you show up Mm. to at work. Yeah, absolutely. And talk to me about working at an organization that is completely remote. So how, how have you 
managed your brand knowing that in the old days, right, we would show up, we would drop in and have coffee with people. Like there was a lot of kind of these touch points that you could informally kind of interact with people. How over the course of of the last year, have you really kind of integrated yourself and made a name for yourself knowing that, you know, we're kind of sitting in our house and you only have people on a screen? So first and foremost, I will say it is tough, right? The sort of screen interaction, it, there is something to the studies that talk about kind of the, the drain. But the good news, I would say, first and foremost, that I have the benefit of is Circle is very much an on-camera um, culture. In fact, you have to explain why you're not on camera, not because you'll be in trouble, but rather because it's such a norm to show yeah. up. You're dressed, you're ready, um, and you want to be able to see people's faces I think there's a great benefit in that. Um, some companies don't do that. I think more companies to need to make it the assumed norm. But with that being said, I would say that having social hours with the team, so at least once a month, we make it a, a habit that all of the security organization comes together, someone runs a topic, and it's an hour of talking about things and getting to know each other in ways that we normally wouldn't. Um, I do schedule a lot of one-to-ones. I have posted my cell phone in our broader security channel, just opening it up. Anyone that needs to reach me at any point, it, it's, it's about making myself available. And by the way, I take morning walks. Sometimes I use that opportunity to talk with people and connect where it's not during work hours, but like we can talk about some other things, talk about work yeah. at the same time, listen to people. So I think it is absolutely possible in a remote workforce. We do, as a company, get together once a year, which is extremely helpful. Um, and there's a lot of great employee activities, a talent show and things like that that we do that I also think kind of fosters that sense of getting to know people in a more personal way. So yeah, it, it, it is tough, but there's a lot of activities and things that we've done to kind of help people feel connected and also me to feel connected to other people. And by the way, last thing is, just start conversations by asking people how they are. Yeah. You know, spend time, like, don't just dive into the subject, say, hey, I know that you were on vacation. Where did you go? You know, what, what's going on with you? Hey, I know that you have this, that, and the other. I mean, it's important to remember people and their personal lives and what they're willing to share with you. It's like a gift they're giving you. Yeah. So reward that with asking questions and getting to know them more. Um, it's very much a part of what I do. Yeah. And I, and I, I love that, right? It's if you frame it as a gift, right. And then how do we reward the things that we want people to repeat, right? If we want people to show up as human, we need to reward when they, when they, um, when they do. So, um, every year circle has this big uh, annual meeting. So talk to me uh, about that, right? I mean, that must be something you're like, Ooh, I'm, I'm new to the organization. I'm going to show up in real life. I'm IRL. So like, what are, what are some of the things you did to like transition and make sure that you were showing up and leading with your brand, uh, when you met everyone in person? Yeah, no, I mean, and by the way, so when that happened, it was last year, it was actually um, fresh off the heels of some of the work you and I have been doing. And, <laughs> um, you know, when I showed up at the event last year, I mean, it was, it, it, it could have been extremely overwhelming. Instead, it was just, I mean, it just absolutely charged me up. Um, but I think most people felt that way. So uh, first and foremost, I, you know, I'd only been at the company four or five weeks. As soon as I dived into the role, I set up time and uh, met with people one-on-one. -on -one. Then I made connections just prior to going. So I'd say, hey, 
I'm going to be here. I'm going to be there. Can we meet up and just say hello in person? Um, you know, I made sure that at every uh, sort of event and opportunity, I was really meeting people, making not just sort of the connection, but a true connection, right? Asking them, Hey, we're here in person. This is some of work, but it was really about, and the event is all about connecting employees with each other through different team activities, um, conversations. And so every single time I was given that, um, I took it. And one thing I'll say is for anyone that's listening, that's like, I am an introvert. Here's the Mm. thing. I am an extroverted introvert, meaning I'm actually a connector. I'm a person where I don't, I actually have had to practice the art of small talk because Mm. I would much rather go deep with someone and get to know them and really connect with them. And you realize the only way you're going to do that is through small talk. So I'm absolutely um, getting better at small talk, but you also know it really is the first step, right? And and trying to get people to open up and really get to know them a little bit better. So I've had to practice it a lot because honestly, when people tell me I have to go yeah. meet a lot of different people, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's I, I don't want to say it's draining, but for someone like me where I really want to know people, it always leaves me wanting more. So I I have to accept that, move on and then follow up. So after the event, Mm. I think the important part was for everyone that I met, I retouched base with them. Like it was great to meet you. I talked about something personal to the conversation and it, it was purposeful to kind of keep the relationship going, especially being in a remote environment, not seeing them in person again. You know, you want to make sure that that connection stays and that you can reconnect with them you know, maybe find out about more about them, but also because there may be future work and things together that, that, you know, of course that connection will help. Yeah. And, and give us some quick tips. What are some things that you do to just have easy, quick and easy, small talk? Oh gosh. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, Okay. First of all, there's the sort of category of opportunity. So if you're seeing someone talk about something and maybe they're having a conversation, but it looks like you can kind of wedge yourself in, you can kind of float over, kind of give a smile. And most people will be welcoming to, you know, having you come into the conversation. So you watch body language, things like that. You jump in, you kind of see what they're talking about, ask some questions. I think the most important thing about small talk is you ask questions and go into any particular event, whatever it is, with a series of questions that you know will get people opened up because the favorite thing people like is to talk about themselves. Yeah. So go in with that. If you notice, I mean, listen, I notice what people wear. I'll ask them, oh gosh, where did you get that amazing, you know, sweater or blazer, you know, whatever it is that they got on. Um, I may also just, you know, tap into something that I happen to remember that I heard them talking about, but whatever it is. And if you don't have any of that context, you can just say, Hey, where did you come in from? You know, yeah. where, where, where are you based out of? Oh, and do you, you know, what do you do? Like, do you have, do you have pets? People are very big about talking about their pets. You can kind of start there and, oh, and are do you have a big work crew at home? Meaning do you have, you know, whoever it is that might be living at their house, yeah. there's some different ways to kind of approach it in a sensitive way. Um, but to kind of ask these questions and, and, Hey, did you happen? Everybody's talking about Wednesday. Isn't that amazing series on Netflix? Are you watching it? You know, I mean, you just never know, right? But but you can kind of approach it in various different ways. 
And the best thing to do is not talk about a work related. It's really more connecting with them personally first. Yes. Yes. And I love that you just throw out this whole notion of asking questions and those like Jeopardy $100 questions, right? Like everyone can answer where they flew in from, right? Or, you know, were, were they in the yeah. last session or where did you buy a jacket, right? And it, it's like that great way to kind of break the ice and start getting to um, the personal. Now, Marlis, tell me when you think about your brand and how you show up, how have you handled it in those situations where maybe your style, your leadership brand just wasn't a fit for people that you were either trying to influence or, or work for. How, how do you handle that? I would say being human-centric and an achiever is sometimes not a welcome, meaning get the job done. Don't worry about mm. collaboration or... And by the way, they're not saying these things. They're not saying don't be, you know, don't have teamwork, don't be collaborative, but that's really what equates to. It's just, just go yeah. get that done. Just go deliver yeah. that. It doesn't matter who you're aligning with, Marlis. You don't need to do that. And, you know, I'll say I've handled it in various different ways. One way is the first and foremost across all of them is I don't change who I am to fit the culture. What mm. I do is change, what I do is change where I'm at. So I'm not in that culture anymore because yeah. cultural fit to a job and to who you are. And, and your brand is nothing more than a projection of your authentic self. That's what yeah. it should be. Right. Yeah. And so if you're in a culture that does not map to that, you then are forced to be in these situations where, first of all, it's very draining because you have to kind of pretend to be something else that you're not. For me, I've not ever really been able to do that and do it very successfully. Um, so what I would say is in situations where it's not like, oh, okay, I'm just going to quit tomorrow. That doesn't happen. You have to be adjustable. You have to be resilient. And the, the first thing I found was, okay, be authentic with everyone and just show up with your brand for everyone that, you know, can deal with it and accept it. And that's typically mm. the organization I run, right? So yeah. it essentially creates this kind of umbrella of safety that, they know, okay, this is how we as a group operate. Yeah. But as I kind of move upward, say up to my leader at that point or across, uh, you kind of have to adjust a bit because it, it's not to say I'm still not myself, but if, if I want to, you know, essentially be people first and, and my peers, you know, for instance, are looking directionally at something else or want to push back or, or even frankly, be very destructive, um, you know, it's in those moments where you sort of have to limit your exposure as much as possible. Um, yeah. and, and sometimes that's very hard. Sometimes it's impossible. Sometimes you have to leave those meetings. And frankly, you've got to meditate and kind of come back to center because you're really trying to straddle a line that says, listen, this is who I am. This is what's important. You know, you all want to operate in this kind of vacuum, sort of what they call silos, right? You hear this all the time in corporate America. Yeah. I don't operate that way. I look across, I want to help people. And so, um, you know, ultimately when you get yourself into those situations, the best thing to do is just find those outlets. And then if it's not sustainable and it's untenable, then you've got to make a change and find the right cultural fit for your brand. Yeah. And I love that you kicked off our conversation when you were talking a little bit about circle, that that's really what attracted you yes. to them, right? Is, is, they stand for many of the things that you stand for and not just on paper, right, in, in the way that they operate. 
Absolutely. That's it's, it has only been continuously reinforced to me, um, every day. And there's so much more time to actually focus on the work that has to get done as opposed to worrying about how other people are going to behave or, and it's strange when you describe this because you think, how can this be corporate America? But, (laughs) But there are a lot of companies, they operate that way. And, and, you know, and also being in security, it's a particularly challenging function because sometimes you are kind of saying, well, Hey, you really can't do that. But what I find in the environment that I'm in, people really pause. They want to understand it. They aren't automatically pushing back. They aren't running to someone else and saying, Oh, we're not, they come right to me. We have conversations about it. Um, and people seem just, you know, very genuinely, um, like I said earlier, very caring about each other, the impact they have on one another and how they can help each other. Mm. Well, Marlis, I know we could talk all day. So some quick rapid fire questions to close us out. Um, we've been talking about your brand and the great circle brand. What consumer brand are you obsessed with? What can't you live without? Well, without the risk of sounding crazy, but I am in love with my car. Mm. I have a Cadillac Escalade and I'm going to tell mm. you right now, I can't, I can't live without it. I, I mean, I drive two, you know, tall boys around, um, but I'm, I'm absolutely obsessed with this brand <laughs> and I've never owned a Cadillac. <laughs> I've only owned Japanese cars. Suddenly I'm a Cadillac owner and yeah, I'm sort of obsessed with that brand. Um, it's something I rely on every day. So yeah. Ah, I love that. And so speaking of cars, if Marlis Rogers was a type of car, what type of car would you be? Well, my husband would be mad if I didn't say my current (laughs) car, but I will tell you that a Mercedes V12 sedan. And why are you like a Mercedes V12 sedan? Well, it's, I don't know. There's something, first of all, reliable, fast, not too ostentatious, but sleek and chic. Ooh, I like that. Sleek and chic. Um, <laughs> and then finally, Marlis, what's the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners? Say yes and don't overthink it too much. Uh, mm. I think when you're given an opportunity to do something new, like I described at the beginning, at the at the end of the day, what's the worst thing that can happen? And when you have a just basic set of standards and things that you want to make sure, like culture for me, the leader I work for, super important. Look at the opportunity and see what's there. Don't hold Mm. back because every single opportunity that I said yes to that was something brand new, I can tell you right now, the the decisions I make every single day are informed by all of that experience. So Mm. had I overthought any one of those, I might've missed something. I might've said, no, I can't because I can't do this. I can't do that. No, it's what you can do. Try it and really see where it takes you. Um, Because ultimately for me, it led me all the way to what I really consider my dream role. Uh, It took a long time to get here, but without all the collective experience and saying yes, I don't think I would be nearly as good as at what I do um, without it. Well, Marlis Rogers, thank you for saying yes and being open to share about your uh, career breakthroughs and your brand. It was great connecting again. Oh, it was great to be here. Thanks for having me. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? 
Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Wow, I just loved sitting down with Marlis Rogers. I always have such a blast talking to her. And her career has so many inspirational points and so many tips that we can all steal from. But what really stood out to me was Marlis's notion about how important building her network was in terms of driving her career. One of the things she really pinpointed was the whole focus on cultivating those champions, those people who can bring up your name, who can advocate for you when you are not in the room. So I want you to think right now and take note. In your career, who are your champions? Who are those powerful and influential people that are advocating for you when you are not in the room. Now, those champions could be inside your organization or they could be external and inside your industry. But if you're thinking right now, hmm, I can't think of a person, that probably means you need to go out and start cultivating. So who out there in your field, in your circle, are folks that can have that influencing power over your career? And for those of you who know who your champions are, my next question and challenge for you is, is what have you done for them lately? Now, clearly being a champion is not about quid pro quo activity, but you always want to be super serving them as well as keeping them in the loop of what you are doing. So when they're sharing information about you, they're sharing information that's on brand for you and your most current accomplishments and wins. So pick up the phone, go ahead and text or maybe even Slack that champion. Maybe it's time to go and grab a cup of coffee. Well, that's our show for you today. If you loved what you heard, make sure that you are following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll deliver a brand new show every single Tuesday. Continue our celebration of Women's History Month and check us out at leadwithyourbrand.com slash womenonbrand to check out our full collection of amazing women. Check me out on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms. Drop me a line on LinkedIn with any questions that you'd like for me to cover on the next show. And most importantly, in your career, don't be that boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure you are that super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.